You are listening to Trials Talk with Chris and Kyle on the Sidious Mag podcast presented by Tracksmith. We're super excited to partner with Tracksmith, an independent running brand fueled by a deep love of the sport. They celebrate the amateur spirit and seek to inspire the personal pursuit of excellence. Tracksmith is pleased to be supporting 30 Olympic trials qualifiers in Eugene, including athletes across 14 different disciplines as part of their amateur support program. So here's a special offer for our listeners over the next couple days. Check out Tracksmith's essentials for racing and training, including the Strata kits that their trials athletes are racing in this week at tracksmith.com slash Sidious. You can use code Sidious to receive 10% off any order until the last day of the trials, which is June 27th. That's right, 10% off any order through the last day of the trials using code Sidious. Now, let's get right into the biggest performances and surprises with me, your host, Chris Chavez, and my co-host, Kyle Merber. Day five, we are back in action. Chris Chavez here with Kyle Merber and our special guest for this episode, the one and only Mac Fleet. Mac, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, Kyle, I guess, like, let's get into, should we get right into the action, or how are you feeling after the day's off? Because we didn't actually take a day off. We recorded the episode with Joe Klecker. If you haven't listened to that one yet, go and check it out. But I'm recharged. I'm ready for the second half. I feel good. You know, I think the first half was some fire, uh, but I needed a couple days to just regroup, get my life together, and it was good to be back at the track. Uh, You know, there's so much going on. It's almost like a whole new meet in Mm -hmm. a way. It's like the first day was exciting. Tons of prelims. And as we're walking back to the track smith house from the track we started talking and dissecting everything that happened we're like stop save it for the pod we're not recording yet and to carry on the tradition that we've had so far in the first half of the trials it's not going to change we are still big throws guys and so today's final in the throws was the women's shot put which i found to be very exciting but first off i think like in the in the beginning of the day, the day started off actually with Deanna Price in the women's hammer throw, throwing an Olympic trials record of 77-10 and advances to the next round. But the only final we had in the throws was women's shot put, which was pretty dramatic. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of women coming in today that had the opportunity mm-hmm. to make the team. I mean, just looking at the seven women uh, seven of 12 in the final had the standard plus the rankings are kind of high for more than more than that yeah and so it was it was a fire prelims but you start over clean slate you bring in the women back for six throws and you know they they started out hot for those who maybe aren't super familiar it was going to take about we knew it would take about 19 meters mm-hmm. to to make the team. And basically straight off the bat, Adelaide Aquila just got it started. Came out hot. 1895 was sitting in first for a bit until Jessica Ramsey eventually did throw and then threw 1945 and sat in that top position for a little bit of, of the meet. Uh, and from then on... It really started to pop off in the third round. Raven Saunders launches one 19.96, and we're like, okay, wow, this is this is nuts. We get to celebrate a new Olympic trials record, but it's very, very short-lived because on the next the next person up was Jessica Ramsey, who launches one 20.12. 
And then she claims sole ownership of uh, the Olympic trials record. And it was so it was a PB for Jessica Ramsey and Raven Saunders, who went one, two. And it set up a very, very tense battle for third between uh, Adelaide Aquila and Maggie Ewan. Maggie Ewan, who had like finished the first round with the uh, third farthest throw, 1878 in qualifying. And Aquila was back in fifth in uh, 1861 out of the first round. So uh, the dramatics were there, and the last two throws was really what what, what was in, in exciting. I think. Well, the thing that I'm just shocked is that you could even discuss Raven Saunders without talking about how sweet the mask was. The Joker mask? Yeah, the the Joker mask with the green hair. Like, that had the crowd on her side, I think, as much as you could possibly get. What, isn't there, like, doesn't it kind of, like, boggle your mind that, like, someone could show up? We got a text about this where it was like, you can show up to wear a Joker mask, but your logo can only be, like, uh, what, whatever the restrictions are. Yeah, I mean, is the Joker mask a logo? I don't know. It just seemed like a cool design. It's just a big promo for, you know, the, uh, the Joaquin Phoenix film. <laughs> that makes me want to go watch it now so yeah. i'd say that ad was pretty effective they're still promoting that and so uh no she was really fun to watch and was electric i mean she was dancing around on the infield after that throw and big big like mental health like advocate if you i mean from her days at old miss and in college and at the bowerman awards and she sat down with like john anderson and has like done interviews like a great personality but at the same time is one of those athletes who peels back the curtain and says like not everything is sunshine and rainbows like i go through like my dark times as well and so if you follow her on instagram or even on twitter you see a lot of that stuff so uh in terms of just like personality like a really good person that is making this team love was, to see good people doing well was, was the joker thing an ode to any of that maybe it could have been you know what that's am i going to connect those two dots there you have it you're the uh, first person to maybe yeah what, what's the saying it's like live live long enough to see yourself become the villain uh it's from the dark knight never I, heard of it i'm gonna butcher yeah. it but uh, of course <laughs> say yes uh by uh was that a robert frost or edgar Allan poe i think it was edgar okay. Allan poe um <laughs> Well, then also in third place, Adelaide, we do just want to give a shout out, Chris. Should you want to drop? You always drop it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, today I posted it on Instagram. I had breakfast with the one and only Joe Kovacs, uh, and we took a photo together. I posted on Instagram and made it official that there There is a book in the works with me and Joe. And at the same time, I knew that for today, our Instagram contest was going to be picking the top three in the women's shot put. So I said to him, you got to tell me who I should pick for my top three. So he gave me the intel. How'd you do? And I think I got one. Uh, no way. Yeah. So I think here's what I texted. I texted Joe. No, you got two. So you had some serious inside information you had, before you made your picks. Oh, I, wait, no. Did, I only think I only had one. I he, had zero. I only had one, and it was Raven Saunders. Because, and oh, no, Ramsey. No. no, no, no. I have two. Yeah, I have two. My two were Raven Saunders and Ramsey. Believe it or not, at first, Joe didn't want me to pick Raven because she had a couple, a little bit of a hand issue going on. Are you throwing Joe under the bus right now? No, no, no. He's fine. But then I said I texted him later on during the he t- he actually corrected it before we went live with this. He says if you have time to switch your picks, switch Raven Saunders in because. You know, Johnson just fouled out of the prelims, and at this point, Mac had already yeah, I, picked. 
you didn't you didn't fill didn't me pass. in earlier. <laughs> I, I mean, that's public information, Mac. <laughs> yeah, you, you. I didn't. I didn't pass that. You along can watch to Mac the prelims, you know. <laughs> and I couldn't change my pick before Chris posted the Instagram. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he actually could have. Uh, and so Mac ends up with zero picks, but. Um, so Joe did correct his mistake, and then I told him after she launched the uh, the meet record. I texted him. And I was like, "Hey, I don't think I think that hand problem is gone." And he says, oh, "I don't know if it's gone, but I don't think she cares if it hurts." And I said, "That's because it's the Olympic trials." <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, so should we dive into something? Well, so Adelaide ends up taking the third spot, and that's like huge for uh, Ashley Kovacs, who also coaches Joe, like NCAA champ, and now you know continues this season of a, of a lifetime practically do can i do we think that uh adelaide took one fewer practice throws and that's what got her on the team because i'm still obsessed with joe's practice throw that was further sorry farther so, than what here's actually what something Ryan that thought. i learned today at breakfast with joe um and i wonder if like i'll get in trouble for sharing this on the podcast but the, it's, it's a throw. It, we're big throws guys. We're, we're throws big guys. guys. Well, I probably already know it, honestly, the amount that I know about throws. But it's the the practice throw that Mac and I saw that was launched nearly to the moon was 18. No, no, no. Uh, wait, what was the what was the record? What was what was Krauser's record? 23. 20, okay, it was 23.7 for Krauser. The practice throw was measured, apparently, allegedly, at, at uh, 0.8. So twenty three point eight. Really, he got the practice throw measured. I think there's a way of doing it. So that's why when we say like, okay, sure, you can hit a, you can launch a world record on your third throw, but it's not the game's not over yet. Like if if you still have a couple more throws with someone like Joe, he can still get it. So as big throws guys, you don't leave in the fifth throw. You got to stay all the way through the end. It's like you don't leave a baseball game in the eighth inning Precisely. to be traffic. Yeah, exactly. You got to stay till the very last throw. All right. As, as big throws, guys. Well, that's exciting looking towards the Olympics because, you know, I'm sure that there are some people at home who think Krauser's is going to run away with it and there's some nope. competition. Rumor internally. has it, the alleged, alle- throw the allegedly button on it. It's, you know, 23-8 was that practice throw. Uh, so start the buzz and get on the Kovacs train. Well, before we were throws guys, we were 1,500 guys. So, Oh, man, I remember those days. So uh, first heat... Of the men's 1500. It was the first event on the track. Hobbs Kessler comes out, new uniform. We asked Nick yesterday. Yes, this is a good story to share. Yesterday at the breakfast table, I go, Nick, I hear there's word on the street that Hobbs is about to sign with Adidas. And I had confirmation of it at that breakfast table. We knew. We knew. (laughs) And And I was like, respectfully, I will hold off from tweeting this out because I'm sure there's other stuff in the works. So then Nick says that he knows nothing about this and that he's purposely removed himself from the whole situation in regards to him going pro or not because BS. he doesn't want to he doesn't want to you know get blamed in either direction if it doesn't work out. <laughs> Obviously, he knew the whole time. He asked us how his poker face was. It was terrible. It was terrible. We had One confirmation of the worst. that he was signing. He was grinning from ear to ear. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but Hobbs comes out and, you know, he, I think we forget how few professional races he's been in. This is probably outside of Portland. Yeah. The best race he's ever been in. Yeah. Trials and miles he, where he got tripped up. So, yeah. yeah so he didn't even have that like right. big opportunity. And then 
I mean, state championship in Michigan. Are you saying that's not a big opportunity, Kyle? It it is a big opportunity, but there's you know only a you don't few want to get guys. canceled You're not, in just Michigan. <laughs> I would. I'm going back to Michigan. It's a great place, but so you know he's in a field with nine guys, and it's going to be way more crowded the next couple rounds. He did something in that in the last you know I think hundred meters that was very impressive. Where I think Mac, you noticed it, right? Like he looked around, did the count, and then like accelerated just a, just enough. Very kind of it's as pro of a move as you could pull in this in his first race as a pro, and then ends up. I, I didn't think he took the win when I when I watched it in real time, but he did. He ended up three forty five sixty three for the big Q. Yeah, I would say the most impressive thing that I saw out of him today was I believe it was around five hundred to six hundred meters. He was getting pretty crowded on the rail, and he had a real nice, smooth um, hand-to-hip suggestion, moving mm-hmm. someone slowly out of his way. Um, you see so many people step on rails or freak out or start elbowing people or, or chop steps. He was really, really smooth in a really tight area. I liked it. The other big cues out of that one, Josh Thompson, David Ribich, Vincent Ciotti, uh, and Paul Paul Ryan and Colby Alexander. Uh, we got a shout out as fellow New Yorkers. Empire Elite. Uh, the Empire Elite ends up going sixth, sixth, and sixth. And Mac, I think you were standing by Coach Tommy Nohilly. What, what was the intel from I that? I think Nohilly. You know, he told everyone. He goes, "All right, top six qualify." I didn't say sixth place qualifies. <laughs> he goes, "All those guys, all they all they did was just get sixth, man." As he goes storming away. You just do what you have to do. But you know, I. Just think, this is a prime example of how stupid it is to have so many time qualifiers because the first heat goes first. They get no time qualifiers. The three guys that finished in the 7-8-9 spot had great races, closed very close to those top six and don't get to go. And it's just the 1500 it's a crapshoot of what heat you're going to be in and mm-hmm. if you're first we see it in the last, 800 especially too and we'll get to it in just a bit well in the 800 it's not as big of a deal because someone is more willing to lead in the 800 i mean yeah we will get there but the in the 1500 you do play games especially mm-hmm. in that first section it happens all the time and you just get unlucky whereas you know the final heat they end up getting 9 out of 10 through just you know nine guys run solid they all make it can you guys dissect this for for me and people who haven't been on a stage like this where this first round is just everyone sizing up each other's kick and like the it's just total confidence in that that final lap or how how do you view it i think that anyone who is remotely a factor to make the team was we got nothing out of them today I think of it like as we're looking at the second heat and we're seeing guys like so Cole Hawker took command of that one really ran a lot of that through the front 339 Walid Suleiman uh Craig Engels Matt Centrich Jack Urian Eric Holt were the auto qualifiers but then we had Talem Franco Graham Crawford Dylan Maggard snagged the little cues out of that uh Centro was in cruise control I mean you that heat arguably has the three favorites in it to make the team and Honestly, I didn't even know if Craig Angles and Centro were on the track today. They just sat there. It was very boring for them. And I don't think we learned anything except the fact that we just further confirmed that, yeah, no, mm-hmm. they can run 339, 340 very easily. It, it's shocking to me how comfortable Cole is leading everything. Yeah. The NCAAs, I'm like, oh, you know. Like, well, NCAAs, he had Yared in But even in the prelims, I think he led. Yeah. And he led. It's not. 339 is not that slow. When you close it. 
148 and 148 to run 335 you would think there's not really an impetus to take the lead and keep it honest but i guess it does just completely keep him out of trouble and he can you know he knows he just watched the first heat Mm -hmm. if i run 340 then i'm gonna basically guarantee myself the way in and i don't have to worry about falling over anyone i think that's part of just my just tendency when i ran forever to never take the lead ever so (laughs) who am i to say that cole i don't know like it's just the rounds are going to be tough it's three rounds and you're racing really good people and the conditions aren't ideal for leading it's windy it's Mm -hmm. hot and it's gonna only get hotter we're hitting triple digits the next couple days i mean triple digits we are hitting one repeating yeah 111 on the schedule and apparently the oregon record is at 108 i think is what all the records are going down that's another meat record (laughs) another meat record uh funny enough someone did ask uh hobbs like is he concerned about how hot it's going to get and he said it's gonna get hot for everybody that's so true (laughs) hobbs had the best answers in the press conference they asked him like if the shoes changing spikes made any difference. He dodged, he brilliantly dodged it and said, no, uh, like I'm the one running, not the spikes. And then they asked him like what he's going to do in between rounds. He says, play Mario Kart." Uh, so he's, he's in, he's locked in, in the zone, but I kind of want to touch back on the, the Cole Hawker and Yared and how they're both front runners. Do you think that's going to mess with anyone like, like Centrovitz or Engels who, you know, sits back and, and does that ruin kind of like the chess move that they make towards the later stages of the race? I think Centro is happy to go fast. He's run 331 for 1500 meters, I believe is his personal best. But, you know, he, he has no real issue going that hard and he's kicked off it before. And then Craig as well. Craig has run 333. I mean, yeah, they might make it a hot pace, but they're not going to make it so hot like a Timothy chariot would where you're like contemplating, do I not go with them? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that angles and centrowitz like seeing those guys in their races because it makes everything a little bit more predictable. And you, you've seen Cole lead so much that you know, sort of what he's capable of. He had to run pretty hard. I think at NCAAs and that's sort of revealing towards at least around what he's capable of. So that gives everybody else something to gauge off of. So Centro's never going to be that far behind if he thinks Cole's close in 148 mm-hmm. that, he did it, that he did at NCAAs is going to be challenging for him. So he will be close to that as they go through the rounds. From the third heat, we've talked about 1-2 a lot. Third was won by Sam Prakel. Yard was second. Henry Wynn, Eric Avila, Trip Hurt, and Johnny get the auto cues uh, from there. Uh, Abdi Ibrahim from uh, University of New Mexico, Isaac Yorks, and Ben Blankenship. What intel do we have about Ben Blankenship? Uh, Mac, former teammate, uh, you're up with... uh, Former teammate of mine. Yeah, former teammate of yours on the DMR, yeah. So what do you guys know about... Because he had not raced since August 2020. I didn't think we were going to go public on this information, but Mac tweeted it out. So I guess I said allegedly (laughs) Uh, sources say sources said allegedly (laughs) that Ben has been pretty dinged up. Yeah, no, I, it was uh, a Willis Reed ask moment, him coming out on the track. He uh, has apparently been through hell and, but you know, lifetime of fitness, lifetime of miles came out and he actually looked all right. I saw him tucked in, and it, I was like, "He's gonna get. He might get through." And then that just means this body's gonna have to go through another race. 
I think he's he's already, he's so experienced that he's going to race probably pretty close to getting into the final as well, depending <laughs> on how these go. I do believe it. He's so experienced. Um, and the other thing about Ben is even when I was teammates with him, you re- he did so much stuff on his own mm-hmm. that you can only take so much from what you hear. Yeah. You know, like I think a lot of people hear three weeks and I my inclination is to not even believe that. And I think Ben might be the fittest he's ever been. <laughs> I don't think that now, given that he's the last time qualifier, but um, he may be more fit than, you know, what was led on to, you know, for us to believe. Yeah, I personally came into the 16 trials following a stress fracture and about five weeks of training under my belt lining up. And the first round was fine. The second round actually felt way better. I felt really good in it with that race under my belt. And then I showed up on the final day and my legs were jello. So <laughs> Blink is definitely a bigger man than myself, but that's how it went for me. So we'll see. Uh, not to dwell on this this distance any and this event any longer, but Josh Thompson, I mean, someone we didn't really t- – we when we were at the broadcast in Texas back in February, stock was high on Josh Thompson. Why – it's taken a bit of a dip. Yeah, I mean, he ran, I, be, I want to say 335 at mm-hmm. Portland Track Festival. Getting really physical with uh, angles. Yeah, and, you know, on paper, 335 is great, but he finished, I think, 10th or 11th place that race mm-hmm. and with a number of Americans in front of him. And so, obviously, the way that we operate in this sport is if one person has, like, a mediocre race, their career is over and everything that they've ever done up to that point no longer matters. And so we canceled him <laughs> and we forgot about him. And then today he looks completely fine skating through the prelim. No problem. It's just a little bit uh, similar to Woody. Yeah. Going into the 10K where we're sort of forgetting about some of the people that, you know, may actually be favorites. Yeah. Well, you know, Josh Thompson two years ago in 2019 ran like 343 at Portland, I think a week or two before USA's. And then apparently, <laughs> allegedly, 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 you know, there's some talks of what his future and his running career was going to be. And then he shows up to USA's and makes the team. Mm-hmm. So I don't think we should look too far into his performances at the Portland Track Festival before a USA meet because we've been burned before. There we have it. Do the, my last question from first round before we get more information tomorrow do you have a certain pick if the race is sub 334 and do you have uh like a certain pick if the race is say slow in like a 338 race i say 330 any if it's slow it's centro if it's fast i call hawker that kick has been insane at ncaa's and that's after three rounds but that's there's so much recency bias i feel like Johnny's going to make the team. <laughs> but I think his biggest competition, faster or slow, is Centro. I just think that Mac, we've raced him for many, many years. He's fit and he's confident. I've seen him come into USA's straight off a plane from Las Vegas when he thought he was injured and done for the season mm-hmm. and still make a team. And can I honestly say, like, do you think people like. You know, people so, don't understand some of the, some of the younger. Is. Yeah, well, see, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, people from from your know. guys' shoes, like you have been burned by him in the past. 
you don't think that there's people out there who think like, no, these guys are now old and uh, won't let go of the brilliance of Matt Centrowitz. What, what year was it where he closed in 146? And this is before the shoes and everything. I want to say 2015. He yeah. moved so hard from 600 meters out. We, I think I closed in like 119 <laughs> and I came in sixth. <laughs> yeah, ran a one, I'm pretty sure he ran 146 for his final 800 meters um, pulling away. And like, that's one of those, that's one of those things that everyone talks about. Like workouts are these like, Oh, listen to this workout or this workout or this workout. But actually to see someone do something in a race that keeps people sort of talking for years, he still has that in him, I believe. And I think that's, we might be seeing that in a couple of days. Well, we still have one more round before we even get that far. So we'll talk more about it after tomorrow. Um, all right, women's two hundred. Nothing too too crazy. It was whoa the, first the women's two hundred. Nothing too too crazy. crazy. Nothing too crazy. Nothing too too crazy. Chris. I don't. I, Did you watch all the heats? Gabby Thomas running twenty one ninety eight, but making it look easy. It's the world lead. It's the world lead. Was, I didn't. There was like nothing six too PBs, crazy. I think, he said nothing. Jenna Prandini running twenty two fourteen easy uh, for one eighty and easing up. I think kind of like within the last twenty meters. She was looking around, going, "Wait, should I be slowing down?" So, and then slowed down and ran she, a PB. She she fully shut it down, and I mean, also it should be noted, all legal wins. Yeah, it's not like I mean, yes. I I liked how Cambria Sturgis looked in that first heat, out for redemption after missing the hundred team, and Allison Felix snuck in with a little cue in the taking third in her respective heat, uh, but. I, I I'm saying nothing too crazy in terms of like none of the big people got knocked out. Oh okay. Twenty one ninety eight is crazy. Meant. That's what I meant. Twenty one ninety eight is crazy, and she looked very good doing it. And you know I think, you know we looked at Quinera Hayes and Allison Felix coming back after the four hundred, and. The the ladies who had the hundred and the first half are looking a little bit sharper. Yeah, I'm um, looking right now. If you look at the sixth place finish, Tamara Clark, twenty two forty four. But look at the reaction time, point five four two, half a second. Uh, whereas everyone else is point one seven, point one five. That's a half second out of the block. That, Something that's actually <laughs> incredible. That's that's when you just know you're good enough to make it to the next round and you absolutely do not want to fall start no matter what i'm just saying like that that 2244 is worth a little bit more and so while she might be buried down in sixth in the results of the first heat look out for her in the in the, in the second round but again i think no big contenders knocked out wasn't the case in the women's 800 uh not not necessarily in contenders but lots of big names that people are familiar with from like over the years um if we look at the results uh 201.42 was the slowest time that got into the final but that was based off of rebecca mera finishing second in her respective heat the little cue that got in was uh the the slowest little cue that got in was 201.31 which in 2019 i think john galt tweeted it out that like wouldn't have made the uh wouldn't have made the meet i think or no 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 something crazy wouldn't have made the final wouldn't have made the final yeah well you look at just the number of women that were in the 800 five heats mm-hmm. very much 
you know, unprecedented. Top top two next six is crazy. It is. It's it, crazy to chop down to six. It's it's wild. Well, you see the names that are casualties on that list. Yeah, let me run through some of them. Nikki Hiltz, first one out. Sorry, Mac. Uh, Sophia Gowarian, uh, who ran a personal best of 202.26, the high schooler. Uh, Brenda Martinez, 2016 Olympian. Uh, then we had Aaliyah Miller, the NCAA champion from uh, out of Baylor. Sammy Watson, who's who's been uh, running for Adidas for a couple of years, a former high school phenom. Uh, Sinclair Johnson in a second second attempt after missing the team in the fifteen hundred. The only two women who ended up making uh, the second round after trying to bounce back were Rebecca Mayra and Helen uh, Schlachtenhofen. And one other big one I think that was a, a surprise to see bounce in the first round is Kayla Edwards running two hundred five. 92 in texas and in indoor season she was giving ajay wilson a run for her money yeah well that you know that's the olympic trials for you everything that you think is going to happen doesn't necessarily work out that way i the the thing that i am happy about and the way this race played out and why i said the 1500 is when you should stop having little cues and only race for place in the 800 it's okay is because we did see those little cues well distributed and every heat more or less had the opportunity to go relatively quick. People came through fast. Yeah, it was always like 59, and then the second those, lap. Was all those races were pretty much identical. Yeah, which which kind of like, if you're Nikki, they held out hope until that last heat, like in terms of watching the results come in. Yeah, Anything he, could have happened. Yeah, it was literally the last heat, so that was pretty tough. Mm-hmm. Um, but, hey, is what it is. You're going from 43 people down to 16, so... Fastest time of the day, Chanel Price, 159.86. Uh, Sage Herda, who was listening to us record uh, the podcast episode with Joe, notches a personal best, 2 flat 08 for uh, the second fastest. Ajay Wilson, 2 flat 55. A thing Mo, 2, two flat 69. New uniform. Signed with West Felix and then inked a deal with Nike. Uh Told uh, the reporters afterwards, we'll be staying in College Station, taking classes there, and sticking with our college coaches for now. It seems to be working pretty well, so I respect that. Raven Rogers also made it through. Uh, Raven looked great. That was the best I've seen Raven look in a while. Raven, uh, I watched Raven run at the Oregon Relays, that USATF meet that was up here Mm -hmm. um, earlier this year. And Raven looks significantly better. Um, Just didn't really look that comfortable running back then. And what was that, six weeks ago, eight weeks yeah. ago? Looks, I would say, like one of the favorites again. Roisin Willis, the high schooler, made and it to the next round. Same with Julie, uh, Juliet Whitaker. So we had two of the high schoolers advance. Um, again, this is going to be the race where you find someone on the day of the final anywhere in Eugene and you ask them, women's eight, who you got? It's you can mix any three names. Well, just what name are you throwing out there based off of what you saw today? Oh, I think Mo is a lock. I think. Wow, I'd say there's one lock, and that's Ajay Wilson. Really? Ajay hasn't raced that much this outdoor season. She's run small meets. Her fastest time coming into this is from Texas. Yeah, she's she's had a low key schedule, and you know generally she would have gone to Europe a bunch, but obviously with the various restrictions, they didn't do that. Um, Ajay also lost that street meet. I'm pretty sure. 
the Boston that boost, boost game. But I know mm-hmm. that's a street meet; it doesn't really matter because they're running up some ramp. But until AJ Wilson, hey, but you're doesn't, not it, it doesn't <laughs> dominate every <laughs> single thing that she is in. Hey, but that got like a really it, it was a lot of points, wasn't it? Like in the world rankings, like, yeah, yeah. Like uh, the taped yes, up track. This, <laughs> that boost games is worth a lot of points. Um. Anyway, uh, women's eight is gonna be crazy. Uh, men's 400 hurdles, another one where I'll say no, no big shock, except for there was one big shock. Squirrel. squirrel. Pour some out for squirrel. I believe Fan this, favorite. I believe this is the first 400 hurdles race of his life that he did not set a personal best in. Cause, but he did finish. There's still no DNFs on his record. He took a tumble, hurdle nine, I believe it was. And then after that, uh, gets back up, crossed the finish line, 67-32. That's not going to advance you anywhere. Uh, but still, got a good reception from the crowd. Just really tough to see because he's the second fastest American on the year. Only Rye Benjamin has run faster than him. He looked so good. Rye Benjamin, shout out New York. I mean, he's New York boy through and through. Down Vernon, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another guy that won the fourth heat, Cameron Samuel, the way his legs whip over the hurdles is honestly like you, you gotta put on a clinic and he'll show us how to jump over hurdles. It won't look quite that good, but beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I, I think my hamstrings would have a hard time doing any of the drills that he does. <laughs> I cannot move that quickly. Fastest time of the day, Kenny Selman, 49.03. We'll see everyone in the semifinals. Uh, then after that, we got the first round of the men's 5K. Uh, would you say there were any real big shocks? Not well, in my opinion. Well, I, I have to give a shout out to the old man on the circuit, Garrett Heath. This is his fourth Olympic trials, which is rare for a distance runner. Not none of them on the roads. You no, no, <laughs> this is four track trials, yeah. and it is rare for a distance runner who is not an Olympian to make that many Olympic trials teams. I mean, it's a testament to obviously his ability to go so long and the support system that he has, and also just like loving it so much that's an incredible amount of time to be running at such a high level so garrett who we were in the car driving to the mckenzie invitational two days ago and that's when it became official yeah read the text i guess you texted him we were driving the the heats popped up i guess there were some scratches and i said yeah baby and he said squeaking in you still alive saw some whoop report that you were at one percent recovery or something <laughs> <laughs> and i said i'm holding on for dear life <laughs> that's amazing so uh garrett comes in leads plenty of the laps that first heat wasn't really rolling by any means and so you know they ended up being all big cues out oh no sorry they got one little cue out of that but top five made it and Garrett, using his old man strength, comes in, and I would say that the the first seat was absolutely stacked with Jenkins, Fisher, Kincaid, and Tier. Yeah, it looked it looked like the it could have been a final. Seriously, I mean, I, Paul Chalima. Paul Chalima was in the second one. Nico Young. Very much disagree with you. Nico Young bouncing back after a big disappointment at regionals, in mm-hmm. which he did not qualify for the NCAA championships, despite being like the fastest 19 year old of all time at 5k before Cole 
took that record from him at NCAA's. Yeah, minutes later. Uh, Cole Hawker oh, didn't the, was start. Was it minutes later? Did he get it I think at so. regionals? He definitely got it at NCAA's. Um, oh, yeah, for sure got it at NCAA's. Um, out of this one, I was just going to say, Hassan Mead made this team five years ago, right? Yeah. Mac. Did he look? Did anything really stick out to you about Hassan's performance today, or is he just someone you just can't count out? He's one of those old dogs that's going to get through to the final. And if anything weird happens with someone that has had like pretty shiny performances this year, he's going to be there. So if if anything weird happens, <laughs> he's got a shot. I mean, and we've seen it happen. Were we surprised he wasn't in the 10K? No, I don't think that. I think. I want to say like eight months ago, he may have had like a little injury and everyone is so good now that, you know, if you get a little dinked up, you're usually mm-hmm. going to go to the shorter event. Yeah. But I, I believe that he's been fit for a while now and that's just what he feels like his best shot is in. What do we make about Ben True scratching this event? You know, it's, there's still a chance for Ben True to make the Olympic team. We Kyle, need to speak let's, this into existence. Do we know here. this though, or are we just fully speculating? What do, What do we need to speculate? We just the fact is Grant Fisher and Woody Kincaid are both in this race. They both went two three in the first heat. They have spots already locked up for the Olympics. But if they make the five k team, maybe yes, they decide not to do the ten k, and then that opens up a spot for Ben True and that's how he possibly could become an Olympian. Do you think Kyle it's greedy for someone to take to double at the Olympics at the distance event like this? This is fun? my hot take <laughs> that I'm not sure I believe myself. <laughs> it started as just a joke but now because it affects Ben True, I'm I'm I think I'm going to die on the hill that it's yeah, it's greedy. If if you do two events at the Olympics. Two distance events. Two distance events. I don't know why we. It's just because Ben's not in the sprint events. Do That's think, why I've decided only distance events. Do you think if he makes this team, uh, no, no, if uh, Grant Fisher, Woody Kincaid makes this team, the next Instagram post that they have, all of our listeners should just comment hashtag Let Ben Run. I um make a T-shirt. No, um, I think that obviously if. Woody and Grant want to do both races. <laughs> Absolutely, qualify for both. They should and they can, and we shouldn't peer pressure them. In all of that. All right. Well, yeah, I'm only I, I'm only able to say this joke because nothing has happened yet. Yeah. All right, listeners, stand down for now. Jenkins, uh, one of the better press conference moments. They asked him because the mm. the weather being so hot this weekend. They have moved the 5K final to the morning mm-hmm. at 10 a.m., which at that point, just move it to eight or nine, right? Like ten, it starts to it's get still hot. Warm. It's still getting warm. The sun's up. You're not covered in the stadium. I don't understand. Just move it a little earlier. Eric said that. Uh, you do you have his quote? Yeah. Someone asked what he thought of it, and he basically said, "Look at me. I'm a walking solar panel out there." So get that man some sunscreen. He also said, "Like, uh, what does this change?" Like they asked him, "What does this change?" Because I guess I have to set my alarm a little earlier. Yeah, that's a big sacrifice. Um. But yeah, I you know Did I'm Chalimo, interested to see how many people are in the stadium at 10 a.m. to cheer them on, I or mean, how interesting it'll look if one side is completely empty and everyone's on the other side because one side happens to be I, shaded. I don't think there's going to be that many people because there's something weird with the tickets. Mm-hmm. I heard yeah. a rumor or something that they weren't going to allow like 
people want them wanted it to be free to get in there because yeah. it's just a one-off event but if that's not happening and there's mm-hmm. no way that all the sprint people are showing up as we found out on twitter some sprint people are allegedly really big fans of the well they just <laughs> this they just don't understand yet and chris and i didn't understand the shot put until just recently and this is kind of my point i made it on the lap count this week is that the 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 biggest target market to help grow the sport is just people crossing over and learning different events. <laughs> what, what like if, they're at the track meet. If, just what, pay attention to what else is going on in between the ones you like. And what specific <laughs> event are we putting this on, on their shoulders of? Oh, yeah. I said this is all the 800 meters responsibility. <laughs> the disconnect between the sprints and the distance because they're bridging the gap here. You've got the speed to be on the 4x4. Four four. You've got the ability to do easy runs with the distance runners. Introduce everyone. <laughs> what is going on? I don't understand. <laughs> Stay, watch, the, watch the laps. Watch the early laps of the 10 and 5K. It's okay. There's fun stuff happening. Yeah. I mean, I just think the 800 runners need to be the ones to throw the team parties in college and everything will be okay. I agree with you. That'll fix the sport. It'll fix the sport. Why are we having these high-level meetings? We just we just hashed it out right here on the pod. <laughs> yeah. Well, we did also fix the sport uh, via Twitter when I pointed out that the announcers weren't saying any other any sponsors' names. Wait, did they talk about it today? And then today they did a very long commercial essentially for allison felix's new brand sage sage and so i think that my tweet save may have may have more or less been responsible with their willingness to talk about other brands and i would i'm not even saying that jokingly kara tweeted (laughs) saying that they were having meetings about it um does that sorry does also that leniency go into um i mean I, i don't know do i Go for it. Do you want yeah. me to be a the bad cop right now or the yeah, narc? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, that's why you're on. Okay, well that that lo the the logo is massive on the on Athleta. Yeah, the Athleta uh, compared to logo other today was huge mm. compared to what um, Allison was wearing in the final in the 400. Is it any bigger than like Army across? I think yeah, Army what is the actually is special there. But Army uh, is like a college uniform, not like a, I guess. No, it's not a college uniform, but like college uniforms, you're allowed to have a whole team BYU, thing, yeah. So, uh, athlete of you. I don't know. I'm just curious. I mean, I'm only bringing this up because the rules are so ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it depends who's breaking them. <laughs> someone someone call in and let us know where we're wrong on that. Um, just like we, I have yet to issue my correction that on the first episode when we talked about uh, Val uh, Allman, right? Yeah, you you said she was unsponsored before A6. Yeah, so Wazelle, and, and, Wazelle, and the flock came for you. The flock came for me, like a, like I'm a scarecrow, just yeah. attacked, uh, and said that, hey, bud, she was sponsored by Wazelle for a little bit. And so my mistake, hand up, I made my bad. It's important to know that we do no research at all for any of the things that we say. We're just we have a result sheet ahead of in front of us, and that's about it. That's all we're doing. We don't even have the internet. No, half the time we don't. All right. Should we get into the final event, the one that, you know, led to lots of tears, I think, afterwards? Tears of joy, tears of sadness. That's the steeplechase. What, what were your tears? What flavor? I I was totally blank, I think, because I was just in shock of what happened in the last two laps. So the last two laps, mm-hmm. I was 
drafting out a text to you guys celebrating the fact that Leah was running so well. I was fired up. It started out relatively moderately paced. It wasn't a jog, but Emma was sitting back right in the middle of the pack, which I found a little surprising. I thought that she would have wanted to be out of trouble, but, um, you know, around halfway through Courtney threw down, I think like a 70 or 71. It was 70.5 on lap five. And immediately Emma wiggled her way through traffic, got on her and that was the battle. But Leah was like a clear third and that's when disaster struck clear third. And it wasn't, I didn't, I don't think she clipped that barrier, right? Like I've, I haven't looked at the replay super close enough. Her trail knee may have, but I'm not completely sure. It was, a, it was a odd place to fall. But the crazy part too, was that she got, right she, did, back up? she got right back up and didn't lose much ground. All it did was that the battle for third was all of a sudden now on her. Uh, and that third place battle was Val Constein, Courtney Wayman, and Marissa Howard. From the get-go, they were just, when weeks ago, Val appeared on the podcast and said, Colleen better show up because we're coming for her. It's sort of like that ghost was there. And instead of Colleen, Leah became the next moving target, and they were they ran up right up on her. Yeah, I think on paper... You know, we knew Emma and Courtney were going to be the ones battling. This was Emma's ninth U.S. title. Yes, and it, it was an Olympic trials record, nine oh nine forty one. This is her third. She's been in three seven straight, by the way, out of four Olympic steeplechases, and mm-hmm. I can't, I can't imagine anyone's been four for four. I haven't looked that up. But. Yeah, good, good, good set. I could probably look up. Um, but no, then final lap, Val Constein and uh. Uh, Leah Fallander side by side up until the final water barrier, which is where the dramatics have proven to happen going back to, in my recent memory, 2015. That's the first time a steeplechase was ever actually decided in the final water pit. No, 2015. Like like the ones that stand out to me at U.S. Championships. Uh, 2015 was when Leah Fallander... You know, took a fell. I believe in that fifth uh, fifth water barrier. Then after that, in sixteen, Steph Garcia ends up being the one who crumbles there. And then after that, it was it's we've had the big three locked in with uh, Emma Cobra and Courtney Frex and Colleen Quigley. Without Colleen, again, we're watching that final water barrier. Leah doesn't have as sh- as good of a one. Val gets a little bit of space on her, and that sealed the deal. Where in the final hundred, you can see the toll that took, I think, on Leah, as now her Olympic hopes are slipping away from her, and literally, I think, kind of lets the rest of the field go because she fell back from at that point fourth to ninth in the final one fifty. Yeah, well, she was here to make the team, but Chris, I do want to say. On the point of the final water pit, it's not like it's some freak accident where, you know, like it was completely out of your control. The reason why the final water pit things happen is because you're exhausted and you get exposed on the final water pit. And I think had that first fall not happened, then she would have made it through smoothly. But she obviously had to deal with that and then bounce back and was doing a great job. And in a 1500, if you're really tired with 150 meters to go, you just fade 
But in a steeplechase, unfortunately, the barriers really, you know, tell everyone just mm-hmm. how tired you are. Um, but she's had such an amazing comeback story. I was screaming for her. It sucks. I wish that, you know, because I was also <laughs> equally as excited that Val was, you know, in it. It was just an exciting race for track and field. And I think that the U.S. should be allowed to send like eight Olympians <laughs> in each event. And I'm going to protest until we're allowed. There were so many PRs in that top 10. Uh, that's just the kind of race that it was. I mean, Emma, 909. Courtney, 911. Not PRs because they're just so good. Val Constein, when she came on the pod, said that Heather Burroughs told her, we need five seconds. Five seconds is what they you know, kind of prognosticated was going to make a team. At the time, her PR was 925. Five seconds would have been a 920. 920 would have been enough to make this team. She delivered with a 918, gave two extra seconds to Mark and Heather, one each. They could keep it. Yeah, the, I mean, the buffs are just very good at the steeplechase. It seems that every year they're, they've got one or two on the team. Blake Thoreau was in the stands, and he came up to me afterwards, and he was like, you guys just don't understand. Like, Mark and Heather, like, they pieced this together. Like, Val didn't accomplish very much in college and now this is this is what they were able to to pull off that's just a lot of you know self-belief that they have in in the magic of the the wetmore effect or wetmore factor whatever they call it yeah no they're they're quite good at it and um you know that sort of thing kind of plays into itself too you have so much confidence in your coach and their ability to coach the event that um you know you really feel yourself come time to line up at the olympic trials because you know that their athletes always do well there uh, I will, one one of these PBs that stands out to me is actually Mel Lawrence, who's been running professionally forever as well, to just on this, you know, finish his seventh, but... 926, to, yeah. Yeah, 926 in a PB, uh, I mean, a PB anytime, I don't want to speak on age here, but like, those don't come by very often, and that's awesome to do, you know, during the biggest moments. That's, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's cool for me to see. Yeah, even Ali Ostrander right behind her, 926, made the team in 2019, uh, not just a PR here. Uh, so, Am I making this up, or is that the NCAA record for Courtney Wayman? Um, no, what did Emma run? No, what did, no, what did Jenny run? I thought Courtney might have had it. All right, maybe. We would have heard about it, I feel like, if, if it was. Yeah, it just Actually, seemed like that, a really that, fast that, time. That might be it. It just seems like a really fast time. I think it is, because I think someone broke it in the uh, prelims, and they didn't run that fast. Are you looking it up, Kyle? I'm trying to look it up, but you know the internet here. Uh, the NCAA meet record college best was 924 by Courtney. So that's that's probably it. So one second faster, yeah. No. Oh, Courtney Frerichs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Courtney Frerichs. Yeah, sorry. So Courtney Wayman now would take it. No one's talking about it. No one's talking about it, but you heard it here first on the pod. Um, All right, that's it. That's all the uh, action from today. We get right back into tomorrow with a day that kind of mirrors today's action. Really, again, the finals are going to be men's discus tomorrow and men's steeplechase. What is excites you the most about the men's steeplechase Kyle I think it's just the fact that we have like five guys four spots right no three spots we have maybe more than five guys um you know we have six guys with the Olympic standard but we have other guys who've run as fast as the Olympic standard before um 
things I'm excited about, Sean McGordy running with both shoes on the whole time. <laughs> he was able to fix a flat tire and still qualify for the final. So clearly he is fit and ready to go. And I don't think we fully know what he's capable of yet. Hillary Bohr was, I believe the first American to win a diamond league in like, since Evan did it since Evan had, mm-hmm. um, but you know, a guy that we're totally sleeping on, he's run eight Oh eight, eight Oh nine multiple times. Um, Isaac Updike, empire elite teammate, uh, and Jane Y back in the day looked so smooth. And then Mason Furlick in, you know, we're staying in the tracksmith house. We can't, so yeah, we've been bugged. reading the propaganda. <laughs> and then uh, Bernard Keeter is someone who I think everyone is just continuing to sleep on. No, I, but the biggest person people are sleeping on say it. <sighs> That's it. No, there's no two time Olympian in the field that everyone's forgetting about. Absolutely not. Yeah, who happens to be running for Tracksmith this time around. He's going to be there. Don Cabral was the name Mm -hmm. that you guys are thinking of. Yes. Yeah, my old roommate. 300 to go, he's going to be there. No, 100%. Uh, (laughs) Everyone better make sure that they're coming in fresh, that final water pit, because Don's ready to clean up. You've said fact. No one runs a better last water pit than Don Cabral. Don is the king of the final water pit. Don is too proud to look anything but amazing going over every single hurdle and water pit. Um, so, you know, this was the fastest. His prelim was one of the fastest. I think his fastest steeple in four years, I want to say. And so he's coming to form again at the right time. Now just has his JD MBA. <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for this episode of Track Talk. Hopefully we get more uh, big throws, big runs, big jumps, because, I mean, it's the second half now. I love track and field. We love athletics.